Thank you for tuning in to my podcast, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For more information or to keep up on current events and products, please go to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. So we have come to the grand finale. Um, I'm going to open us up in prayer, and then we're going to rock and roll in this message. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, and I just thank you, Lord, for the value and the truth in this message, God, of who am I? God, what is it that you see that sets me apart, God, from what the world says, that sets me apart, Father, from even what I see? God, that sets me apart for your kingdom. We thank you, Lord, that you have answers for us. We thank you, Lord, that this is more than just information, but it's a reality that you've placed before us. God, that we would walk in the fullness of who we are in Christ, and it wouldn't just be something that we talk about, something that we know we should be doing. But, God, there's a practical way for us to get there. We thank you, Lord. And it's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. So we have talked about uh, the perspectives. Going back to uh, the skit and looking at, or the video of the woman being stoned, we talked about the perspective of the world and the stones that it throws at us and the, and the five Ps and, and all the perception of the world and that pull to be taken captive into the world's philosophies and the basic traditions of the world. The, the deceiving allure of the enemy and the way he wants to keep us from coming into all that we know that God says about us. And then we looked at Jesus' perspective. That when the woman looked at him, she could clearly see there was something different about the way he looked at her. That he didn't look at her the way the world looked at her. That he saw something different, and we took a look at all of that. But this session, I want to take a look at a third perspective. And it's a perspective that is the most important and that is your perspective. Because in everything that we do, there is a choice. And the world is trying to choose for us, telling us, taking away our choices. Of course, we know there's God's choice that was made. But at the end of the day, there's your choice. What will you choose? The Bible says that to choose for you, this day, death or life, blessing or curses. Choose life and it will go well with you in generations to come. When Moses in the book of, um, in the book of Deuteronomy, he was giving them his farewell speech and saying, listen, you're going to get into the promised land, but every day you're going to be faced with a choice. And he talks about, and you can read about it even in Joshua, how literally... Geographically, they were positioned in a valley between two mountains, mountains on the left and mountains on the right. One represented blessings and one represented curses. One represented life and the other's rep other represented death. And you're going to be positioned right between them as a prophetic message to remind you every day, I can either face life or I can face death. I can choose life or I can choose death. But here's the thing. We look at that story of this woman, and, and Jesus says, Neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. It's a happily ever after. It's the story we all want to be a part of. But at the end of the day, if 
the woman stood up and said, Jesus, I don't know what it is about you. I can see that you love me. I can see that what you see in me is something different. I see that you don't condemn me like they were condemning me, that you don't see my sin. But if you don't mind, I'm going to believe what they are saying. I just can't seem to, I just can't seem to connect. Like, I can see it, but I just can't believe it. See, in that moment, she had to choose what would she believe. Jesus' love for her and his belief in her was not enough. She had to choose to reconcile her own choice with the choice of God. We talked about the Cinderella story. If the prince would have showed up and put that slipper on her foot and said, I still want you. I still desire you. I've pursued you all this way, and I have found you in the midst of your rags, and I'm not bothered by that. And I want you to come and live happily ever after with me in the castle. If Cinderella would have said, oh, man, it was such a fantastic night. It was a wonderful rendezvous that we had. And I see what you have have for me and, 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 and what you have to offer, but I just, I just don't think I'm worthy, and I, I, I'm just going to stay here. Thanks for the offer, but I'm going to choose my rags in my cottage and my unhealthy relationships. Nobody would want to watch that movie. It would be a terrible ending to Cinderella. It's the fact that she whisked away and said, yes, I want to respond to the invitation that you have placed before me. That's what makes it Cinderella. It wasn't just about the love of the prince. It was the response to the love that she said, you chose me and I choose you. I love the story of Hagar in the wilderness when she said, the God who sees me, I now see the God who saw me first. It's when you see him, she calls him Jehovah Roi. I now see the God who saw me first. But there was a response. He was looking at her, but she had to look back at him. And so I'd like to propose to you that it isn't just about God's choice. Because his choice is always the same. The Bible says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to know him. I tell people all the time, if God, people say, if God's a healer, then why isn't everybody healed? If God's a savior, why isn't everybody saved, is what I say back to them. Just because somebody isn't saved doesn't negate the fact that he is a, a savior. Just because somebody doesn't get healed doesn't mean he's not a healer. I don't have all the answers, but what I will not do is question the nature of God. This is who he is. And so we have to really understand that God is. He, he is love. And that love is being poured out upon you, poured out upon you, poured out upon you. But at the end of the day, in every moment, in every situation, you have to choose. I will receive his love in this moment. I feel rejection in this room, but I will receive the love of God in this moment. I feel some self-rejection going on. I feel disappointed in myself, but I will receive his love in this moment. It's a choice you have to make, that you are constantly mindful, not just of God's presence, but of his love for you. 
that every place you go, everything that you do, he is personal and he is intimate, and you must choose for yourself in the moment I choose God's love. I receive your love, God. I'm not, I don't even have it in me to love you back right now, but God, I'm going to receive your love. It is a moment-by-moment choice that you have to make. But if you choose not to make it, have no doubt that it does not smallen, lessen, or negate that his love is still on you. He is love. His choice has not changed. His choice has not changed. Let me take you back to the very beginning, to the jewelry heist. We talked about these people that walked in and they bought all of the jewelry, and they bought what they thought was the imitation, and they got the real thing. I had to make sure I had it right in my head. And they got the real thing. Okay, so they end up capturing these people, and they come back. All of a sudden, what ended up happening was all the jewelry got mixed up, and so even the jeweler could no longer tell. They they couldn't tell which was the real and which was the counterfeit because it got all mixed up because the counterfeit was so good and so like the real thing. And so they had to bring in an expert jeweler. Now, we know um, an expert jeweler is somebody that can tell you the real value of the jewels, right? So they had to bring in the expert jeweler. Now, it's interesting to me how we, you know, a lot of times I... I, um, watch a, those, those antique shows, and they bring in, like, the ugliest stuff. And, uh, and they're like, this is worth $2,000. And I'm like, not to me it's not. Okay, so that's my point. Now listen to me. So they had to bring in an expert jeweler that took a look at, at to, that was an expert in knowing the value of a jewel. And knowing the value of a jewel to be able to discern between the genuine and the costume jewelry. Now, in the Bible, in Matthew 13, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything he had and he bought it. Now, that merchant is that expert, the one that tells you how much something is worth. But I would like to propose to you that you can tell me how much something is worth but, it's only, but the value that something has to me is only as valuable as that thing would be valuable to me. So you might come and look at my house, and I tell you my house is worth X amount of dollars. And you may say, well, it's not worth that to me because I only have my husband and I, and you have 5,000 square feet. And, and that's not worth that for you. Because worth and value is different. So when we take a look at this passage that says the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who is Jesus going and looking for fine pearls who is us. It says when he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything he had and he bought it. Now I have brought a pearl with me right here. And you will see I have scattered pearls along the altar. Now I would like to propose to you that these pearls are real. They are the real thing. I could tell you they're real. You wouldn't know if I'm lying or not. Here's the thing. We could bring in a jeweler, and he could say these pearls are worth X amount of dollars. But here's the real deal. Listen to me. Nobody, not even the merchant that would come, the jeweler that would come in here, Nobody would know the real value of these pearls except for me because I'm the one that walked up to the cashier, pulled out my purse, and paid for them. 
And that's why Jesus knows your value. Because he's the one who walked up, hung on a cross, and he paid for you. He's the one who pulled it all out. He paid the price, and that's the value. The value is if something is in the price that is being paid. You can't tell me how valuable something is. Because if I'm not willing to pay the price, it's not worth that to me. And that's why you and you and you and you and you are worth so much. It's not because the world says so or your job tells you so or even God says so. It's because he paid the price. He's the one who walked up and said, here's the price I'm willing to pay. And it's in my blood. It's in my life. The Bible says he went and he sold everything he had to buy it. He gave up his life. That is why we know the price of the fine value. Worth the price of Jesus Christ. That's the value. That's the value. No expert can tell you anything differently. The world will pose as an expert. They will pose themselves as the merchant that says, this is how much you're worth. The enemy will tell you he is the jeweler that can look into your heart and look into your soul and say, this is how much you're worth. But there is one expert that knows the real value because he is the one who paid the price. He is the one who paid the price. See, the truth is something is only worth the price you are willing to pay for it. And God was willing to pay the price. And let me tell you this, ladies. If nobody else was in this room except for you, he still would have paid that price for just you. Because the Bible says he went looking for fine pearls, and when he found one of great value, he went away and he sold all that he had to buy it. I love the story. I uh, had a chance to minister to a young girl years ago, and um, she was uh, in, a, in a, a girl's home, like a group home, um, and so was a very much at-risk child. And she came in, and um, she had this puppy, a stuffed puppy. It was stuffed. It was stuffed. She had this stuffed puppy, and, um, y'all, this thing looked terrible. It was tattered. It had, was missing an eye. It had a chewed-up ear. You could see where it had been stitched a million times. And, and I said, well, tell me a little bit about your, your puppy. She was holding on to it. And she was probably 13, 14 years old. Tell me a little bit about your puppy. And uh, anyway, she said, well, she had got, actually had gotten in trouble because some of the kids were teasing her about her puppy. And, and so, of course, she did what kids that age that are hurting do. She beat them up. And so <laughs> uh, that's what they do. And, um, and so she beat them up, which is why she was having this conversation with me. I said, well, what is it, what is it about this puppy? And she goes, you know, well, some people just look at it, and all they see is just like this tattered old, this old stuffed animal that just doesn't mean anything. And, and what I later found out was this stuffed animal was, uh, was given to her by her mother before her mother had passed away. And so it had a lot of value to her. And she looked at it, and she said, this, this puppy has a lot of value to me because it, it's, it's my last connection to what I recall of love. And she literally said, 
I said, so, so tell me, tell me why, you, what, what, why you love that puppy. And she said this phrase, people don't understand, but this puppy is mine. It's mine. It's all that I have. I don't have anything else. I don't have anything left. I don't have my pillow. I didn't have my blanket. Everything was gone, but this is mine. It's the only thing I have. And I couldn't help but think about how in the Bible it says, for the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject his people because the Lord was pleased to make you his. See, and people look at us and they're like, she's tattered. She's missing an eye. <laughs> she's rug, rugged, rough, been tattered, abused, has stuffing falling out of her, has been stitched up here and has been stitched up there. That's what, every, what the world sees. But God says, no, baby, she's mine. This is mine. And you can't touch it, and you cannot have it. This is mine. And that's what God is saying to us tonight. God's choice has not changed. His choice is not in question. Yours is. Your choice tonight is in question. But I would like for you to think for a moment about going beyond. In Matthew 13, where it says, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything he had and he bought it. And I want you to think for a moment that you are the merchant and the fine pearl is your design. It's who you are in Christ. Found in your relationship and your intimacy with the Lord illuminated, bloomed, cultivated, nurtured, brought to life, sparked, becoming a fire as you fan the flame of the gift of God that's within you. But God says there are things you're going to have to sell to purchase it. There are things you're going to have to let go of. There are things you're going to have to cut out. And you're going to have to be willing to be like Peter in John chapter 21 who said, you all can sit in the boat, but when I see God, I'm taking off my, and I'm going to swim because we can't paddle there fast enough. I'm going to sell everything I've got, and I'm going to go after the fine pearl, the Jesus in me, the God design in me, the purpose in me, my assignment, who I am. I'm going to go after it. Will you buy in to who you are? Will you purchase it as the fine pearl that God says it is? Will you be willing to be sold out, not just for Jesus, but will you be willing to be sold out for you, for your God design, who you are, who God has created you to be all along? Pursuing not just Jesus, but falling in love with you. Falling in love with your design and chasing it down. I'm going to close, but I want you to think with me for a moment about Peter jumping into the water and going after it. And the verse that says, whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And think with me, either way, either way, ladies, you're buying into something. 
it's time for you to buy into your God design. Either way, you're buying into something. And all along here on the altar, I have, where'd my worship lady go? Um, I saw her sneak back there. All along here on the altar, I have um, pearls here. And, and we talked about kind of these prophetic acts. And, and this is your call to action, okay? And I want you to really, I don't want you to just do it because your friends are doing it. Please don't do it because your friends are doing it. Please don't do it because I'm asking you to do it. I want you to feel the unction of the Holy Spirit that says, this is you. This is who you are. It's fine. And it's valuable. And I know the real price of that pearl. I know the real value. I have the price tag, and I paid the price. I am the only one. Nobody else has done that. Nobody else has bought your life. Jesus bought your life. He is the one and only. And I want you to really consider that. And as you come up and you pick up this pearl, I want you to consider who you are, how fine you are, a fine pearl, the finest pearl. And are you willing to give up all that's holding you back to buy into who you are in Christ? Let me close with this. In Philippians, Paul says this, beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. He's saying be careful of the world. Be careful of the world's philosophy. For we are of the circumcision who worship God in the spirit. Rejoice in Christ, listen, not because we have any confidence in the flesh. And then he says, though I may have confidence in the flesh, and he begins to list all of his world pedigree, all of his credit that the world had given to him, what made him so astonishing and so valuable to the world. He says, if anyone else thinks he has confidence in the flesh, I have more. Listen, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm of the stock of Israel. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of all the Hebrews. Concerning the law, I was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, I was persecuting the church. Concerning the righteousness of the law, I was blameless. And then he says this, but what things were gained to me, these I now count as a loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things a loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. He was talking about leaving the things of the world behind. I need to lose those things. And he says there's some suffering in that because we've become attached to the things of the world. He's not going to say it's going to be easy, but he says it's a good fit. But if we want to find our life, we have to be willing to lose the pedigree of the world, lose the accreditation that the world has slapped on us. And he says, I count those things all rubbish. Some versions say dung, which is poop, in order that I may gain Christ. There's no in-between. There is no in-between. You're either a friend of the world or you're a friend of God. I wish I could tell you there's a tolerance or there's a compromise, but there is not. To be a friend of the world is to turn your back on your God design, is to say, I don't want the fine pearl. 
I don't see the value in the fine pearl. It's to say, listen, prince, I see you've chased me down, but I want to stay in my cottage in my filthy rags. That's the choice you have to make. You have to make that choice. If I could make it for you, I would. I wish I could, but I can't. He goes on and he says, I have counted all these things rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. We're looking for us. I started this whole thing with the question of saying, who am I? I'm searching, not just for God, but I'm searching for me. I need to be found. Who am I? And Paul says, I gave up all of those things in order to be found in him, not having any of my own righteousness, which is from the law, and that which through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of my deadness. Come on now, some of us need to come to life this morning, this afternoon. Some of us need to be resurrected. But everything in Scripture, death always comes before life. And there are some places in your life, in your heart, there are some messages that you need to put to death tonight. There are some things in your life, there are some habits, some thought processes, there are some lies that you need to put to death in order that you may be resurrected in that deadness. You follow? We look at the death of Jesus, and while the enemy was, rejo- was, was rejoicing, we were in sorrow. But God, but God knew that in the deadness of Jesus, there was a resurrection on the third day. And I'm here to tell you that there is a resurrection that God wants to bring in your life. In your life. So I'm going to open up this altar, and I want you to just think about the places in your life. Now listen, I want you to reconcile some things. So I want you to consider as you pick up this fine pearl, saying, I'm chasing it down. I'm not giving up on me. I'm not giving up on my God design. I'm not giving up on my purpose. But there are some things I need to leave behind. And and, and I don't know if there's something that you have on you that you just want to even exchange. This is a picture. You can do that. Because then I'm going to pick everything up and I'm going to throw it away. And we're going to crucify those things in our life. But tonight, I want this to be an exchange where you say, I count all these things a loss. It's all rubbish, and I'm going to be found in Christ. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you, God, that you paid the price. Why? The why, the answer to the why. Why are we so valuable? Because you paid the price. Nobody knows God, how much I'm worth, unless they're the one who pays for me, and nobody has paid for me but you. So, Father, we rejoice in the fine pearl that you see within us, and we agree with you. And today we choose, we choose you, and in you we choose us. 
We say yes to all that you've put in us. We say yes to our God design. We say yes to our excellence, to our beauty, to our acceptance, to our approval. We say yes to our gifts. We will not hold back, but we will sell everything we have to buy into it. Father, we worship you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in to my podcast, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For more information or to keep up on current events and products, please go to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. 